So James 1 and Luke 24. We continue in our series, Holy Habits. And we've been looking in this series at the different spiritual disciplines and taking a very practical look at saying, okay, what are they? How can we implement these habits into our lives in a consistent, intentional way? And today we're going to take a look at, obviously, one of the most important ones. We're going to look at our time spent in the Word of God. And so what I'm hoping that you grab from uh, this message today is not just a practical understanding of the power and the importance of the Word of God. I hope we all leave here with a hunger saying, God, I want to get in your Word more. It's through His Word that He is revealed to us. It's through his word that we find power to know, to grow, and to even fight against the temptation and the things that are in our life. But what I want you to do is we're diving here. This is from the, the, the book of James. I want you to see specifically how James describes the word of God. So here we go. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Oh, if our culture could do that. If we could do that, <laughs> if we could be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And he says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God that's planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and you do what it says, and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Luke chapter 24, I'm going to give you just a little bit of insight into what is taking place and happening here. Jesus has just died on the cross, and he's rose from the dead. But even his disciples, yeah, all they've caught so far is whispers of this. Mary and the women, they've been to the tomb, and they've reported to Peter and to the rest of the disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead. And all of Jerusalem is kind of in a panic at this moment. This is a classic moment where two disciples are, they're leaving Jerusalem and they're walking, um, these, they're walking to Emmaus. And so we're going to dive right into the midst of a conversation that they're having. Unbeknownst to them, they're thinking about and they're processing everything that's happening. And Jesus appears in their midst, but he hides himself from them so they don't realize it's actually him. And what I want us to see from this is how Jesus chooses to reveal who he is. So here we go, verse 20. It says, but they're speaking to Jesus. But our leading priests and other religious leaders, they handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him, which is hilarious because they're talking to Jesus, and he's like, I know, I just did that. Um, he said, we had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers, they were at his tomb early this morning. And they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus says to them, you foolish people, 
you find it so hard to believe that all the prophets wrote about in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus at the end end of their journey, and Jesus acted as if he was going to keep going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it, and then he broke it and he gave it to them. And suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road? on the road, and he explained the scriptures to us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do this morning what Jesus did on that road that day, that you would open our eyes to see the word of God, that we would see you fully explained and revealed, your beauty, your power, And that through it, God, we would know you, we would grow in you, and that we would have power to fight. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us and are continuing to do in our life. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, before you sit down, turn to someone right next to you and tell them if you could only eat one potato chip, one brand, one kind for the rest of your life, what would you pick and why? And if it's not nacho cheese Doritos, you're doing it wrong. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, I want to talk to you this morning. We're going to be taking a look. But I want to start by looking what James describes. He does something really interesting. In this section as he's writing, he, he describes the word of God like a mirror. And I want to talk to you this morning about the power of a mirror. The power of a mirror. A mirror is very powerful. Yeah. It has the ability to reveal to us what is true and what we look like and also to reveal to us uh, where we kind of need to, to change some things. There's some incredible power. I tell the story every time I've ever referenced this. Um, there was a day in college when I needed to, um, I had a final the next day and me and my friends stayed up way too late the night before having fun, eating donuts. Uh, it was like about 5 a.m. before we finally went to sleep. And the exam was at like 9 a.m. My alarm didn't go off until like right as class was actually starting. So I was already late and I was panicking. Um, I knew I needed to get there to take the final. I ran into the bathroom. I'm brushing my teeth with one hand while at the exact same time I have an electric shaver in my other hand and I'm shaving. Um, I ran out of the house. I arrive on campus and I should have known by the stairs as I was running into class that something was wrong, but I was too panicked thinking I got to get in there. And as soon as I burst into the class doors and everyone kind of sees me and I get the look from my professor, I realized something was seriously wrong. My shorts were on backwards. (laughs) I had two different kinds of socks on. I had mistakenly shaved half my face while leaving the other half completely unshaved. There was a toothpaste stain on my t-shirt and I sat down and I have never been more defeated in my whole life. I'm sitting down and getting ready to take this exam and my professor walks up and she like slides me the paper and she does like a quick once over the class and she bends down to my ear and she goes, is everything okay, Josh? (laughs) And it was one of those moments where you're just like, ah. 
I wish I would have looked in the mirror. But I want you to think about the fact that what mirror we look into matters. Have you ever been to one of those carnivals where they've got the little funhouse mirrors? And you look into it and suddenly you look like a pear, right? Part of your body is super thin and the other part's just massively white. The type of mirror you look into matters. It matters greatly. And, And looking into scripture is so important. Whether we're looking in context or out of context, we have to be people who are in the word of God and we are listening to it and we are doing it and we're listening to it in its proper context. A true mirror will display truth where a twisted mirror reveals to us lies. That is why the word of God is one of the most important holy habits that we dive into. We have to be in God's word because God reveals to us who he is through his word. When we look into it, we get a clear picture of who he is, but we also see ourselves in where we don't measure up. I don't know about you, but I don't want to walk out of the house ever again with half my face shaved. But I think spiritually, sometimes we do that. Spiritually, like we just take a quick glance at his word and like, ah, that's a little uncomfortable. I'm just going to kind of put that one to the side for a little bit and not really process or think about it. Or we try to steal verses completely out of context. Take, for instance, the classic Christian verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is an important verse. That's a good verse. But that verse does not mean that God's going to enable you right now to go climb Mount Everest just as you are. That verse, whenever you take it in its actual context, Paul is writing and he's saying that God has taught me to be learned and I've learned to be content in every situation. Whether I have a lot or I have little. God has always taken care of me and I've learned that he is good and he's in control. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The word of God is God revealed. This is so important. The word that you hold in your hands is God revealed to us. And James gives us this example of the word of God being a mirror. And the power of a mirror in our lives has everything to do with how we interact with it. A mirror has the power to reveal the fact that there's some stuff on my face I need to get taken care of. Okay? I've got a beard, so sometimes after I eat a meal, there's leftovers. Okay? (laughs) My wife is really good at letting me know, but if she's not around, the mirror helps me know. Because let me tell you what, I don't want to go out into public and have conversation with leftovers hanging on my face. Right? That, that's not one of those things that we want. The mirror has the power to reveal that to us, but it also has only with how we interact with it. So the word of God, it reveals to us primarily the truth about God. It puts him on the display, and it reveals him to us. It reveals his nature, his character, his commands, his desires, his love, his goodness, but also his justice and his wrath. It also reveals his discipline and how he is good even in the midst of all of that. The word of God makes it so that God can be intimately known. To grow in our love for someone, we have to know them. Think of that person that you've had those 1 a.m. talks with. That person that maybe it's a best friend, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a cousin, maybe it's, it's that person that like they, you are close to them. 
One of the reasons you're close to them is because of those time that you've spent with them and those times in conversation with them where you've got to know their heart. You want to know the heart of God? We've got to get into his word. It's put on display and it's revealed to us so that we can see and know him. It reveals that he has no desire to be distant. God wants to be close. He wants to be known. It reveals his heart. It reveals who he is and what he's about. But it also reveals the truth about us. It doesn't just put God's heart on display. It puts our heart on display. The word of God, it says it's mighty and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's like a surgeon's scalpel. If there's something in our life that shouldn't be there, he's lovingly enough to go, hey, I love you, and I don't want to see that grow and destroy you. So would you come to me? Would you allow me to help remove that from your life so that you can grow and have health and strength? It reveals the truth about our sin, about our brokenness, about our desires that are far off from what his desires are. The word shows us the difference between the two, between the reflection of God and the reflection of our heart. And it gives us the power to allow him to shape and mold us. When we look into the mirror on, a, on maybe a Monday morning, you can see a blemish or maybe a hair that needs cut or something that's out of place or, or maybe um, something that just needs fixed. Maybe you slept wrong and you've got bedhead like no one's talking about and you need to get that fixed. So the mirror reveals that and allows you to. The same is true with the word of God. We cannot know God without knowing the word. It's impossible because the word gives us the power to know, the power to know. Let me, um, let me put this on display maybe in um, a, a way that can make sense a little bit more. Red, would you be willing to come up here? I've got a series of questions for you. We're going to get to know Red this morning. Hey, everybody say hi, Red. Hi, Red. All right, so uh, I, I want to put on display the importance of knowing some. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, simple ones, and then you just give me your answer. So what is a hobby you're passionate about? Trapping critters. Trapping critters. I love that answer. All right. This, remember this, okay? This is going to come important later, I promise you. And it's going to put on display why it's so important we know the Word of God. Okay. So what's your favorite kind of critter to eat? Oh, to eat? Um, probably whitetail. Whitetail. Okay. All right. All right. Um, What's something else that, uh, another hobby that you do other than trapping that you enjoy? Um, that's about all I do. That's about all you do. He's like, he's like I come home, I trap critters. <laughs> you play music, okay. So we all know that. We, we've seen, what, what do you play? Uh, guitar. Guitar. How long have you been doing that? About 15, 20 years. 15, 20 years. That's impressive. I attempted guitar. I broke mine in half. Not on purpose. It wasn't like one of those cool like stage move things. It was a, it just fell and snapped in half and then I cried. Um, so it was, it was kind of a depressing moment in my middle age, uh, not middle age, middle school. <laughs> yeah, it was two days ago. It was <laughs> still a little traumatic for me, sorry. Um, all right, so, so you like to trap things, you like to hunt. Um, 
you, you've got a truck. Do you like your truck? You like trucks? A little bit? Okay. All right, so you're, you're passionate about those things. Just stay up here for just a second, and I'm going to explain why that's important here in just a moment. We're going to sidebar this. Imagine you went with me to someone's house who said they were a Colts fan. And as you drive up into their driveway, their entire garage door is painted Colts blue. It's got the horseshoe on it, right? Um, their driveway itself has been painted that same color blue, <laughs> right? You enter the front door, and they've got one of those, like, those, like, uh, the chairs that, like, are leather, and it's that same blue color, and it's got the stitched into it. And you start looking around the house, and all you see, it's Colts memorabilia everywhere that you go. And you're sitting here, and you're going, I'm getting the feeling they like the Colts, <laughs> right? But you start talking to them, and they're, they're talking about how the Colts makes them feel, and how much they're a dedicated, passionate fan, and they absolutely love the Colts. And then so you're like, okay, who, who's, your favorite, who's your favorite player? And suddenly it gets a little silent in the room. And they start to divert the conversation. And you're like, oh, okay, uh, well, the, what's your favorite game that you've ever been to or you saw? And suddenly they're like, oh, well, you know, um, uh, just, oof, whew. Um, they clear their throat. And they proclaim something to the effect that, uh, you know, you're not really here to judge them. They've just been really busy lately, and there's just a lot going on in their life right now. And they plan to get around to watching a game they just haven't yet. And they scan the room, and you're astounded as you're looking at Colts, 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 everywhere you go. But they can't name a single player, and they've never watched a single game. Right? And you're sitting here, and you're going, wait a second, like, what, what? And this person starts to instead, they shift the conversation and they go, man, the, the Colts, they've changed my life. And that's the most important thing about me. And yet they absolutely know nothing about it. And you begin to realize that person likes the idea of the Colts, but they know nothing about them at all. Right? See, there's a problem if we're not in God's word. Because we don't know them. And this is what happens sometimes in Western Christianity. We end up like that. We've got all the decked out decorations and all this stuff like that. And there's a big issue with that. Because let me prove this to you. So now let's say, now I've had this conversation with Red, right? So now I come up before all of you and you've never met Red your entire life. And I go, you know what? I want to tell you about my friend Red here right now. He thinks the trapping and killing of animals is terrible. Red's like, how dare you? <laughs> he's giving me the, <laughs> right? Um, he's a vegetarian. <laughs> he likes salads a whole, whole bunch. Um, he despises music. Emphatically hates the guitar instrument. In fact, he thinks that anyone who has ever picked up a guitar in their hand is one of the most worthless individuals to our society. <laughs> How would you feel if I started describing you that way? He said, I would not be very happy about you, <laughs> right? Thank you for that. But listen to me. God's word reveals who he is. If we don't know it, we can start going into conversations and spouting out things and saying, well, the God that I serve is like can I just tell you something? If someone started speaking, whatever, you know, so for him it was maybe trapping and maybe music. Well, what's something that's core to your heart? 
something that it's, you're passionate about. And someone starts speaking against the very core. That's an issue, right? But can I just tell you something? That that's what's happening right now even in our culture in this moment. How many times have you seen across social media, well, the God that I serve is like, and it goes exactly against what God's word says. Because here's the thing. The word of God gives us the power to know him. It's vital. You know, I do a lot of weddings and um, in premarital counseling. Can I just tell you some really bad advice that I'd never give, but it would be terrible? Listen, don't really try to learn anything about what the other person cares about. They're just there to give you what you want. In fact, I would prefer if you only interacted with them about once a week for maybe one and a half hours. That would be terrible premarital counseling advice. But can I just tell you, for a lot of Western Christianity, that's the average Christian life, what it looks like. God, you're here to give me what I want. When I pray, I'm expecting you to answer. And I've got a time slot perfect for you on Sundays for about an hour and a half. See, the problem with that is when we don't know him. God's word is the ability for us to dive in to know him. The stats tell us that right now is the most biblically illiterate generation. The stats in America tell us that one in ten families, only one in ten, ever open their Bible throughout the week. Of most Americans... Barna did a research study, and they found out that most, especially millennials and younger, will open their Bible outside of church three times a year. Three times a year. Okay? Imagine someone saying, I really, really, really want to get to know you and be best friends with you. So what three meetings can we have this year? You'd be like, I don't think what you're saying is true. <laughs> I don't think you really want to get to know me. I, the, the reality is, is we have to dive into God's word to know him. On the road to Emmaus, you remember we were just reading this. Jesus starts talking to these disciples and he looks at them and he says, don't you remember what Moses and the prophets said about the Messiah? And then it says that Jesus takes them systematically through the law and the prophets Story after story after story on this long road revealing to them how Scripture reveals him. I imagine he takes them to the, the bronze serpent that Moses lifts up, and he's like, did you not realize that the Son of Man had to be lifted up like the serpent? That all people who look to him would find their healing from their affliction and from their sin? Do, do, do you remember the Passover lamb? Do you, do you remember whenever the waters were parted? Do you remember? And he starts taking them systematically, story after story. Do you remember whenever Abraham went to sacrifice his son Isaac, his son, his only son, his dearly loved son? Do you remember these stories? And he starts showing them how the entire Old Testament pointed to him. He's showing them that they should have known him through Scripture. See, Jesus revealed himself. He takes the word to these two disciples and he's going, I want you to see me in the word. But secondly, I want you to grasp how they responded. Do you remember after Jesus does his like magician vanishing act 
It says he's breaking bread with them and then they realize it's Jesus and then he's gone. What does it say they said? Did not our hearts burn when he was with us and explaining the scriptures to us? If there's something I want for our church, I want our hearts to be burning. My prayer is that whenever you're at home and you're not in this building and you're in the word of God and you're praying and you're saying, God, would you, would you allow me to know you? Would you show yourself to me through your word? I pray that there's just some of the most special moments spiritually you ever have won't even happen at an altar at our church, but instead will happen at your kitchen or dining room table. As you with your family start to open up God's word and you start to see how God's revealed and how as a family you can be shaped and molded by it. Jesus was letting them know through the word of God and he still does this today to hungry hearts. Scripture is the source for knowing, for loving, and for delighting in God. It's the source. We have not been left alone. We have God's word and his spirit alive inside us that reveals himself through the word of God. I want you to think of like wartime soldiers. In World War II, men were called into battle and they were required to leave their family and their friends. And one of the ways that they kept in contact with them is they sent letters home. And these letters had detailed information about their love for the family about revealed what was going on, what they were passionate about, what their heart was about, and how their heart still longed for them. We still see documentaries today about like wives that were sat there and they cherished those letters because this was, this was a tangible proof of my husband's love for me. Can I just tell you something today? Listen to me. You carry in your hands tangible proof of God's love for you. He has revealed his love for you. He has written a letter directly to you to say, I love you so much I came. I love you so much that I came to be with you, to be near you so that you could know me and live in intimacy with me. See, they had those pictures and they had those letters. They could see and they could hear the one they missed and they longed. And scripture gives us that same thing. We get a picture of who God is his perfect nature, his love for us. And we can see, we can hear, and we can know God because he has chosen to reveal himself through his word. So the word of God gives us the power to know God, but it also gives us the power to grow. In Matthew 13, Mark chapter 4, and Luke 8, the same parable is taught, and it's the parable of the farmer sowing seed. And it's this description where Jesus is saying the word of God is like seed that is planted into ground. And to the heart that is fertile, like the fertile soil, it is able to grow exponentially. To the heart that has been tilled, that has removed the weeds, that has removed the hard underlying rock, the soil that is ready and ripe and that is hungry for God's word, growth naturally happens. It just happens. And not only does it just happen, it grows incredibly. The same seed is planted across all of them, but it's the heart's receptivity. The soil was willing, that was willing and prepared is the soil that grew the seed. It is impossible to grow spiritually 
if you don't have the word of God in you. I'm going to say that again. It is impossible to grow spiritually if you do not have the word of God in you. You can grow something, but it won't be fruit. It'll be weeds. Um, one of the things that, in regards to this, and because I know this, that I've done, and I'm on year two of doing this now, um, for each one of my kids, I want them to have something passed down to them from me that speaks to them of my love for them, but also my, my hunger and desire for them to know and encounter God. So last year, um, I started a Bible um, Brand new, nothing in it at all whatsoever, and it's, uh, it was a gray one, and it was for Jason. And so on January 1, I started going through Scripture from Genesis 1 all the way through the end of Revelation, and I was circling words and highlighting and underlining and putting notes in the margins like, Jason, remember this. Be brave and courageous. God is with you. And I would go through, and every time I was coming across these different scriptures, I would highlight things that stood out to me, things that I wanted him to remember. And any place where I felt like I saw a spot where the word of God was speaking directly into his character, I'm like highlighting that. I'm underlining it. I'm doing everything I can to put like asterisks like, son, read this. And then I've preached through that Bible countless different times. So when my son gets older, I'm going to end up handing him a Bible that he knows his father has preached out of. But more importantly, that when he's 60 or 70 and I'm long gone, it can be something that he can hand to his son or his grandson. But not only that, but in the darkest moments of his life, there's something that he can turn back to and he can remember his earthly father pointing to a greater father, his spiritual father, saying, there's someone who loves you. This year I'm in Ruby's Bible. So if you see me preaching with a turquoise Bible, Listen, don't make fun of me. <laughs> this was not a chosen color by me. <laughs> it's my daughter's Bible, and she is so excited to see me preach from it. So you're going to see me up here with a uh, rather bright Bible. <laughs> but it's hers. I'm on hers, and then after that, I'll get to Calvin's. And I, what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to hand down a legacy that challenges them, would you grow? This is where you grow. I know I've got parents and grandparents in the room. Can I just challenge you? Man, maybe this week go out and buy a Bible. Say, you know what? The next year I'm going to start going through it. I'm going to highlight. I'm going to circle. I'm going to do whatever, and I'm going to pass it on to someone. Maybe it's not a son or daughter or grandson. Maybe it's a niece or a nephew, someone else in your life. I've actually given my brother-in-law, Jesse, and my sister-in-law, Annie, a Bible as well that I've preached from and I've made notes out of. Because I wrote them, I did that on their graduation because I wrote them a note saying, this is what's most important. As you're moving to the next phase of your life, this is what's most important. And they got a tattered up, beat up Bible. But you know what? Both of them, they cherish those tattered up, beat up Bibles because they know where it's come from. The word of God gives us power to grow. I think everyone in this room wants to grow. Everyone in this room wants to spend more time in God's word. I think it's Craig Groeschel who said, if, if it's important, you'll find a way. If it's not, you'll find an excuse. My challenge for us as a church this year, let's be people of the word. Because it gives us the power to grow. But it also gives us the power to fight. Oh, I love this. I got a picture to show you here in just a second. 
This is a true story. Um, the word of God gives us the power to fight. Jesus, when he was in the wilderness and Satan came against him and tempted him, Jesus didn't just be like, yo, get away from me. He fired off scripture at Satan. He fought back with the, the word, fought back with the word. I love that. You know why he did it that way? Because he put himself subject to what we'd be like. He didn't just say, hey, I'm the son of God. You must flee, Satan. He goes, no, no, no. I took on flesh to be like my children. And I will fight you as they have to fight you. He says, Satan, the word of God. Man doesn't live just by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Satan, no thanks. I don't want your bread. Get away. He pulled out his sword. Memphis, Tennessee, a man uh, broke into a home and uh, stole a couple TVs. Decided that it was rather easy to do so, and the next week decided to come back to steal some other things that he hadn't noticed his last trip in. He was not the brightest crayon in the box. He chose the wrong lady. He decided to crawl through her window, pushing back her bed to come in, but she was ready for him this time with her machete that she named Rufus. <laughs> I love this. Not only did she have a machete, she named it. Can I just tell you something? I now want to go and name random things in my house. Um, this is a rusty, beat-up machete, and she heard noise, so she slips into the room, comes by the side of the bed, and as the guy is trying to enter in, she decided to let him meet Rufus. <laughs> he got whacked about three times before he could finally make his way outside. She jumps out the window and chases him down the street. The newspaper and camera crew arrives, <laughs> and this is her message that she said to anyone trying to break in again. You need to be careful, go get a job, and quit stealing. But if they decide to come back, she and Rufus would be waiting. Can I tell you something? Listen to me. The enemy wants to come into your house to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Let him meet Rufus. When the enemy steps into your life and he starts to come against you and he starts to speak against your identity, he starts to try to remind you of your past, start reminding him what the word of God says. Listen to me, you have a weapon. You are not defenseless. You are not alone. The word of God is mighty and powerful. It's sharper than a rusty machete, right? <laughs> like the word of God is mighty and powerful and it is with you if you've put it in you. This is why it's so important we put it in us because there's a fight coming. The enemy wants to come to you and remind you of how broken you are, how God could never use you because of blah, 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 blah. You know what? Start rattling off some of the Old Testament characters to him. Like, I remember David wasn't exactly the, the, the most straight arrow of people. God, I remember you used Samson. I remember you used Gideon. God, you can use me. I submit, would you use me? And Satan, be reminded, yeah, I do have a broken past. And watch how God uses it for his glory. Take the word of God that is mighty and powerful and put it into the fight. Scripture describes the armor of God. It talks about the helmet of salvation, 
that talks about the breastplate of righteousness, and it goes through the whole armor, but there's only one piece out of the whole armor that's offensive, and it's the sword, and it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Listen to me. God didn't just give you a shield and, like, body armor. He gave you a weapon to push back on darkness, and that weapon is His Word. If you combat Satan with human reasoning, your best efforts, or how good you were this last week. Let me tell you something. Be prepared for a defeat. But if you combat Satan with the very true powerful word of God, he must run. Jesus, when tempted by Satan, pushed back every single temptation by recalling truth. I know a battle's coming for you. I don't know what your temptation is. I don't know what it is in your life that you're, you're facing. But what I do know is this, is that there's a, there's a pretty powerful piece in your tool belt. It's the word of God. And it gives you the power to fight. But in order to do that, we have to develop a holy habit. See, I could talk for another three hours on how beautiful and powerful the word of God is. But if we walk out of here and just go, oh, that was a really great message, Pastor Josh. Whew, that was a good one. Let's go home. We got some pot roast in the crock pot. <laughs> and do nothing with it. We just looked in the mirror and we walked away and forgot everything. We need to make it a habit. I'm going to give you some very, very practical advice on how to start making this a habit. So if you're a note taker, feel free to put this down. Maybe throw it in your phone. Here we go. Number one, pray. Ask God to hold up the mirror. Every time before you open up God's word and start reading, you should be praying, Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to me. God, let me see what you look like, but God, also reveal who I am. Show me where the two don't meet up and refine those edges, Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit's role to reveal Jesus and to open scripture to us. And he does so for the seeking heart. So pray. Number two, have a plan. No, we talked about this in an earlier message, but know your time, know your place, know what you're studying. Don't do the whole, well, I'm going to open up my Bible. Here's where we're starting today, <laughs> right? No, have a plan. Get into a spot. Have that place that connect it. We talked about the importance of connecting it maybe with another habit. This is called habit stacking. What's something you do every single day? You never, ever, 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 ever forget it. Attach reading God's word to that habit because then you won't forget to get into God's word. One of the things that I, I, that I love is that um, one of the, the very first thing I do before I get on anything else on my cell phone, I go through my daily reading plan. And I start reading and I start getting into God's word. Have a plan in place. Plan this out, guard this time, and cherish this time. Number three, study a book at a time and in its context. Know when it was written. Know why it was written. Know who it was written to. Don't try to take something out of context. Don't rip a verse out of context. Imagine if you tried to do this with a book or play, and you just grabbed one line from it, and you're like, the whole movie is about this one line, and that movie has nothing to do with it at all. Right? It's kind of like the person who's an extra in a movie. They're like, did you see my movie? And you're like, what? 
yeah, I was in Avengers. Well, which Avenger were you? No, I, I was in that one scene where everything's blowing up and you can see my face for like one second. That's my movie. You're like, that's not your movie. <laughs> Don't take it out of context. Study that book. Know what that book is about. Dive into it and see God revealed. Read. Reread and observe. I love this. Timothy Keller, who's a great pastor from New York City, he talked about being at a convention with a bunch of pastors. The room was just full of pastors. And this lady gets up there and she's like, this is what we're going to do for next time. And she was teaching pastors how to really study the word of God. She's like, I'm going to throw a verse up on the screen and I want you to write down 30 observations off this verse. And he's like, 30 off one verse? (laughs) He's like, I don't know about this. And he's sitting there and so she turns the next screen and it's about Jesus calling um, his disciples and challenging them that they're going to be fishers of men, not just fishermen anymore. And so he said, you know, for the first, you know, five to ten minutes of that next 30 minutes, he's writing frantically. And he, he got to about 15 or so, and he kind of put down his pen and like, oh, okay, I'm done. Fifteen's probably good enough. And he starts scanning the room. And he starts seeing these other pastors just really, like, thinking, really processing. He's like, oh, man, I probably should do that too. <laughs> so he goes back to it. She finishes, and she goes, all right, I want to see a show of hands. How many of you, your most profound observation came within the first five minutes? Not a single hand went up. Because how about, how many of you, your most profound observation came within the last five to ten minutes and almost every hand went up? See, the truth is this, as you dive into God's word and as you're saying, God, I'm digging, God, would you reveal? God, I'm going to read, I'm going to reread. I want to know you in your presence. God loves to reward those who are digging. He loves to further unfold who he is. Study in community. Small groups are vital. The Bible is meant to be studied in community. Learn to prioritize listening and not just speaking. We can miss some of the greatest stuff if all we're ever doing is looking for a chance to speak. When you read, it is near impossible to read without your perspective. Hearing others and their observations about what Scripture says is vital. Because suddenly you're going to go, I never saw that before. When you read, again, it's so important. I'll give you an example of this. In youth ministry, um, I, was, I was teaching on the fact that God is our Father. And one of my students, he um, had come from a really broken home. And he was completely dumbfounded by that. And he started to explain what he had encountered in his home and the father figure that he had had. And I had the opportunity then to instead be like, okay, I'm sorry for what happened to you. Let me tell you a little bit about my father. And I got to talk about my dad and what life was like in our home. And I'm like, and this is just a tiny glimpse of what your heavenly father is like. I feel sorry that you missed this, but, but listen, don't miss on the beauty of who God really is. See, the truth is this, as we read in community, we can start to see things we never saw before. Make sure that whenever you're reading in community that there's people there who can have a good grasp on Scripture as a whole. You know, there's going to be many opportunities in the days ahead here at Glad Tidings for we're going to start small groups soon. And this is going to be an opportunity for you to come to dive into God's word in the context of community. There's online Bible studies 
where you can hop on. There's the Bible app that we're going through right now as a church, going through all of the New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs over the course of a year. If you're interested in joining us, just hop onto our Facebook, and then there's a link that you can do it there. I know some of you I texted for whatever reason we found out. The text was not able to work to get you linked to the actual plan. You could probably see the plan but not join with us. But if you follow that Facebook link, you can hop in and be a part of it. Every day there's sections we're reading through and then there's a spot to continue to talk it over. Or maybe you want to continue your studies even more. At the Muncie campus, we have the Center for Christian Leadership where we're having opportunity to dive into deeper into the word of God. There's multiple different opportunities to do that. But the key is to make it daily and consistent. Don't make it the bottom of your totem pole. Make it the top priority of your day. Don't do it as you're just about to fall asleep. <laughs> Remember, small changes make a lasting impact. Utilize soap. I don't mean like soap, that you should be utilizing that anyways, okay? Um, <laughs> it stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. It means you write down what Scripture you're reading, what did you observe in it, how does that apply to your life, and then write a prayer. It's a daily, quick, easy way to get into God's word. Engage. Don't just run from tough sections. If you get to a spot and you're like, that was weird. Contact someone. Ask, like, why was that there? Why did God do that? Why did he allow that to happen? There are some incredible, beautiful nuggets of God in some of the craziest sections of Scripture. That's why it's important for us to be in community. We can start to utilize and see those. Utilize resources, engage. Read it in multiple translations. Listen to a podcast of a preacher who's going through that book. Get a great commentary, devotion guide to walk through. Ask lots of questions, but ultimately, make it a habit. Make it a habit. The reason as your pastor I'm pleading with you on this to make it a habit is I want you armed. I want us armed. I want us armed so that whenever we encounter the enemy's best attacks, we're not alone. Because you're not. But can I tell you something? It's quite dangerous to end up in a gunfight without a gun. End up in a sword fight without a sword. To end up in a spiritual fight without a weapon. God does not want that for you. He wants the word of God in your heart growing, multiplying, so that it doesn't just benefit you, it benefits the people around you. you know, listen to me. Some of you in this room right now at the sound of my voice, there's something from your past where you feel like it is so written on your life that God's kind of like, the enemy constantly says to you, you can't be used for the kingdom. Now, you can come to church, you can be a Christian, but, but because of that, you can't really be used. Can I just tell you something? That's a lie from the enemy. If you allow the word of God to grow in your life, God can use you in ways you cannot even imagine. There's gonna be people that walk into this church that are broken in the exact same way that you are or have been. And because you've been through it, because God has grown you, because he's revealed who he is and he's revealed you and he's shaped and changed you, listen to me, they don't want Pastor Josh's words. But when you step into their life and you're like, I've been there and let me tell you what God can do, that's like cherished gold in their life.
God has given you a weapon to fight back against some of the darkest things that have even happened in your life and to grow you because he's not finished with you yet. We need to make it a habit. Maybe you need to dive into a Bible reading app this week. Maybe you need to pick a book. As soon as we finish this, ser- this series, we're going to dive into the book of Ruth. Can I just tell you that's a perfect place to start? Maybe right now you want to start getting ahead. Be like, huh, I wonder what Pastor Josh is going to be preaching on in the next few, few weeks after this. Dive into the book of Ruth. Can I tell you something? If you've never been in that book before, you're probably going to read a few things and be like, what was that about? That's a good thing. Hang on to that. We're going to address those things. That's the beauty, again, of doing this in community. There is going to be times where you read it and you go, I don't really understand yet the context. But then as it's revealed, then suddenly what before felt like confusion turns into gold. What before was I didn't really fully understand that God helped me know turns into, wow, that was powerful for my life. We're going to dive into the book of Ruth, and then in this summer, we're going to go slowly through the book of Galatians. Maybe you want to start there. It's a great book about the gospel. But I plead with you. I beg you. Can we as a church be people who are grounded in God's word? Because if we're grounded in God's word, we have the ability to fight off the attacks of the enemy, but also to speak against things that are not true. And right now in our culture, there's a lot of things swirling in the church world that are not true. They are not grounded in God's word. They are not about God. It would be like someone talking about red and saying, he don't like to catch critters, right? They're, they're saying these things, but it's not true. We need to know who God is so that we can truly reveal him. I cannot reveal someone I don't know. But I know my wife. I can sit down and I could talk to you for days and for hours about my wife, about her loves, about her wants, about who she is, about where she's been, about what God has done. I could sit here and I could talk for forever because I know her. Listen to me. God wants to know you. And he wants you to be known by him. But it can only happen if we're in his word. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to close off this time with the same song we closed with last week. I think it's still very appropriate and great for where we're at. What I'm praying happens in our hearts right now is that God would birth in us a desperation. Maybe right where you're at, maybe just close your eyes and pray, God, make me desperate for you. God, make me hungry for you. God, make me hungry for your word in my life. God, I pray that you would make me desire you above everything else. That God, Lord, I would so be in your word and so know you that when the attacks of Satan come against me, that I would fight him back with your word. God, would you grow in me? God, I'm hungry. God, I'm desperate. I'm desperate for you, Jesus. Can we do that this morning as a church? Can we, can we say that prayer and can we sing this song and make this song more than words on the screen, more than just a way to close the service? Can we make this the beating heart of our congregation where we say, God, I want to I wanna know you. I want to be desperate. God, I'm, I'm hungry for you. Jesus, I pray for each one of us. Lord, don't let us today have just barely glimpsed in the mirror and walk away forgetting. Let us walk away doing. 
Jesus, I pray that each one of us would walk out of this room with a plan in place for this week that we would be in your word. And God, I pray specifically for a special holy moment that as we dive into your word, there be a moment where heaven touches earth, where Holy Spirit, you reveal Jesus to us in a way that's unlike any other. That God, around dinner tables, in living rooms, on couches, or laying in bed, that God, you would reveal who you are to us through the power of your word. God, I pray that we would make it a habit to be in your presence, make it a habit to be in your word, and that, God, we'd be changed people because we've encountered you. Jesus, we love you. Reveal yourself to us, we pray. And, Lord, as we sing this, we sing it as more than a song. We sing it as a prayer from our heart. In your name we pray, Father. Amen.